basically it's going to come. And you and I have to make up our minds. Are we going to speak with people and share with them exactly what God has given us to share with them? Because it is the Lord that we represent. Melvin brought up a very good point today. What's the purpose of us living is for the glory of God. For the glory of God. For the glory of God. There is no other real purpose but that we live in such a way that we glorify the God in whom we serve. Now, before we start, I want you to go to Romans chapter 12 because I think this is the biggest problem that we face today, even in Christianity. And even in my own life, and even what Vic was singing this morning, can't get enough of your love. Now I want to reverse that. Do you think God gets enough of your love? Do you think God gets enough of your love? Do you think you give him enough of your time, enough of your attention? Do you think somehow that you give him too much? See, we don't know what it is to really sacrifice unto the Lord. But he's made the greatest sacrifice for us. But in that verse 9, I want you to just look at the first four words there in that verse 9. And ask yourself, does that describe you? Does that describe you? Does that say something about you? And what it says is simply this. Love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. It can't be faith. It can't be something that, oh, yes, I love him, but I love him, but I love, but this here has to take place first, or, or this here. Do you love God with a sincere heart? See, nobody can answer that, but who? Each one of us individually. Do we love God with a sincere heart? Here's my five announcements that I forgot, so I'll try to remember them at the end. And that is pertinent today. How much do you really love God? What are you willing to do or allow God to do in your life? And I think one of the reasons why a lot of us sometimes don't hear from the Lord, we have so much doubt. Now I'll be the first to say, boy, I have a lot of doubts here. 
I remember somebody was challenging me one time, you really believe God, you really believe God, and I just told him, 99.9999999. He said, well, why isn't it 100%? I said, I haven't seen him yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing him with my own eyes, as Job says. So if I was to say 100%, you would be asking the question, well, why is it 100%? How can you prove it? So I told you, there's a little bit of doubt even yet where at. For me. And I think I'm not the only one in that position. And that's why our faith is always challenged. That's why we're always taken to another realm, another height, something new to experience in exercising our faith and what we believe in God. Because God knows, and I'm glad the scripture is there in 1 John 3, that when I see him, it will be what? Light. And while I'm on my way of being made like him, And yet, that's faith. That's the reality of what we have to deal with. And sometimes we will have to pray like the centurion, Lord, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. That I can get over this hurdle. Why a lot of people never, never do what is right in life because they're not trusting God. So they depend on who? Self. And they do the wrong because they will not believe what God says, that he really has a plan for them, and if they would just trust him and listen to him. And that's the hard part, learning to listen to him, obey him. They'll begin to see a different life develop within themselves. Now, understand, for a lot of people, that's a scary thing. To see a new life when I'm so used and comfortable in my present life. Now, catch this, even though I'm miserable. People can get comfort in their misery. And God is saying, no, I want to move you from here to here to here. Now the question is then, do I believe God is able? And if he's able, can I trust him? Now last week we left off with Hebrews chapter 1, 1 and 2, and I want to just hit that real quickly because in the last days, the last prophet, the last voice is really Jesus. Then somebody will say, well, how about books that follow after Jesus is dead and he's risen? The apostles carry through what Jesus wanted to say to us about the church and about the Christian life. After the apostles, 
there's nothing more to be really said that would be new that we would add to the Bible. So every year or 10 years or 100 years, God isn't adding to the Bible. It's a completed work. And we have a hard time living what's in there now than if we were to add more. So Jesus was there since that last prophet from God. And he spoke through his son. Now, we're going to go from there. Remember we went to Amos. I want you to go back there because you didn't underline this. I want you to underline it. I want you to go home and read it. I want you to look at it over and over again and just really ask yourself, okay, God, I'm listening. I'm listening. How many of you heard Charles Charles Stanley this morning? Um, Boy, he was somewhere talking about this same subject, God speaking to us. And God does speak to us. Go to Amos chapter 4. You, if you haven't underlined 13, it's okay to mark up your Bible. Um, make it a coloring book. Put your notes in it. And that 13, he who formed the mountains, created the wind. Now catch this, because this is the important part. And reveals his thoughts to who? To man. God reveals his thoughts to who? To those who are sincerely in love with him. You don't go go around talking to anybody about everything in your life. But those who you feel that sincerely care about you, you share with them. And they share back with you. And this is that thing that we call a relationship with God. There's no use talking about having a relationship with God if it's a one-way street. It has to be a two-way. Where I'm talking, he's listening, he's talking, I'm listening. It has to be a two-way street to have a relationship. And that whole process is true. And if you haven't underlined anything, make sure you underline that. Read that and then ask the Lord, Lord, is this true? Is this true? And if it's true, Lord, I'm expecting you to reveal yourself to me in my thoughts, through the, what people might say to me. See, a lot of us, we take religious talk just as that. It's just religious talk. So it goes in this ear and quickly exits where? Out this ear. It never stops in between. And we give thought to it. And we think about it. And often now, we've got to a point where, yeah, only thing I want to do is just hear what people say. That is pleasing to me. If it's not pleasing to me, I don't give much credence to it. But when people quote scripture to you or speak to you of the things of the Lord, you need to take time and really listen. And really listen. Everything that's said may not be intended for you. But you may be among three or four people 
and somebody says something, that may not be for you. It may be for the person standing next to you or the person that's in that group listening. And God is just saying something through you that is meant for somebody else. We have to be willing to hear. Go to John chapter 12 with me. going to pick up at verse 20 because he starts to speak. Maybe you're too into it, but go ahead. Just want to take these glasses off every now and then so I can see what I'm at. John chapter 12, pick up with me in verse 20. He says, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. We believe those Greeks that are there were converts to Judaism. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus, Jesus, there's some people that would like to speak to you. And Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds speaking of himself and his death. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, the servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now, my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very hour I came to this hour. Hey, Lord, they didn't come here to hear you preach a sermon. They came here to ask you a question. Remember where we started at? Some Greek folks wanted to ask him a question or they wanted to see him. And then this discourse starts. But yet, in saying what he is saying, I will assume that they were close enough to hear. And they were hearing what he was saying. Now, whether that may have answered their question or the reason they wanted to see him, I don't know, but he is speaking these things, and I don't think Jesus is just speaking into the air. But there is something that really changes. When he says, now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, now he directs who he is speaking to. No longer so much the crowd or the people around him, but now directly to who? 
this body. Father, save me from this hour. One of the reasons it gives us note that he's speaking directly to the Father, because there was no use speaking to man, because man couldn't do what? Couldn't save him from that hour. Man couldn't keep him from that hour. But the Father could. And he answers his own question. No. After understanding the purpose for which he came into this world, he came into this world for such an hour as this. To die for us. That's the purpose for which he came into the world. Melvin gave us this morning the purpose for which we were born. And the reason we came into this world. And oftentimes we don't find it out until years later. And that is to glorify him. To glorify him. Now listen to what he says. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. By what's going to happen in my life, glorify your name. Even though I'm suffering, though I'm in pain, glorify your name. Do we learn to live that way? That no matter what we're going through, we glorify his name. His name. His name. And we learn how to live that way. We live by his grace. We live by his mercy. We live by his strength. We live that way. Follow me. Don't lose track right here now. Father, glorify your name. Catch what is said here. Then a voice came from heaven. A voice. It was very clear to him it was a voice. It was his father's voice. And he understood the message even though no one else around him in the crowd there understood the message. Understand this. God will speak to you when nobody else understands or agree with you. Because that's what God will have you to do. When I told my dad I was going to leave Chrysler, I'm going to go to school for ministry, he started to remind me of how fortunate I was to have the type of job I had. And to be in the school that I was in. And yet the Lord impressed upon me. I was going to go to school. Go to school. Even though with all my stuttering. All my failures. He was going to send me to school. And a number of other pastors. Advised stay at Chrysler. And be a bivocational pastor. And one pastor told me, Gus, you 
go to school, prepare yourself, but understand this. School will not be your real teacher. The Holy Spirit will. But you want to do all you can do to gather as much knowledge as you can. God's directing your life. And that's okay. For God will take care of you. But you have to trust him. When Elaine had to have surgery and we're in school and I had no hospitalization, five churches came together back up this way and paid her hospital bill down in Georgia. We used to go shop at a railroad storage area where packages had been broken and everything, and Elaine and I, we would go in there, and she would shop, and cereal would be put in brown bags and this and that, and we would do it. Yes, we were on food stamps for a while while we were going to school, and, and just things, somehow God met us, and then Every time God was sending us a little extra money, I would take that little money sometimes, and Elaine and I would go out and eat, and we would enjoy ourselves, take the kids out. And finally, we learned a lesson. God sent an exact amount of money for a problem that was here. And we learned to start holding on to the money rather than treating ourselves. Because God had already taken care of this, and he was just sending the money in advance. And it would be exactly about exactly what we needed. Just over and over and over again. And even when I graduated, we had a bill. And I don't know the church other than there was a Presbyterian church in Columbus who decided to pay the rest of my tuition. Wherever I owed the school, they paid it so I could leave school debt free. God will step into your life in amazing ways if you'll trust him. If you'll trust him. Listen to what is going to be said here. Then a voice came from heaven. First of all, where did it come from? Heaven. Didn't come from our earthly place. It came from heaven. I have glorified it. And what is God saying? I've glorified my name. You can go all the way back. Old Testament. See how God glorified his name, glorified his name, glorified his name. By what he did with Israel. He glorified his name. But then he even said, I will glorify it again. And do you believe that he still wants to glorify his name but do it through us? He wants to do it through you. He wants to glorify his name through you. Now, listen to 29. The crowd that was there and heard it said, it is thunder. They knew and they heard something. So some of them said, it thundered. It was just a loud noise. Didn't understand. And remember Paul in Acts 9? Him and the Lord are talking. 
Who are you, Lord? And the Lord tells it, but the others don't hear it. They knew something was happening, but they didn't hear it. And here the people, God answers Jesus. I will glorify my name again. They heard it, but they considered it thunder because they couldn't understand. Then others, it says, they heard it too. But they said, it's the voice of angels. It's the voice of angels. Now look at verse 30. And you have to ponder this verse. You have to think through this verse. What does it really mean? He says, Jesus said, this voice was for your what? Your benefit. What is he saying there? I know my father's plan. I know what I am to do. I really didn't need to hear it. I know he's not changing his mind. This was not for me. This was for you. This was for me. The voice was for your benefit, not mine. Not mine. Your benefit. When God speaks, it's for your benefit. It's for our benefit. It's for your family's benefit. It's for your wife's benefit, your husband's benefit, your parents' benefit. When God speaks, he doesn't sometimes want everybody to hear it. But he wants you to hear it. And he says, it's for your benefit. Is your benefit, are you going to obey or not obey? Your choice, right there. Will you believe that God has spoken? Oh, I'm not worthy. Oh, I've done so much. Oh, I'm okay. God don't need to say anything to me. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm doing everything right. But he says this is for your benefit. And the thunder is there. Go to me. Go with me to Exodus 33. I'm going to look at some Old Testament for you. Exodus 33. Now, he speaks without saying that he's going to speak in a sense. And this is at Mount Sinai. The whole process is now Moses. He's been given all these instructions if you read that chapter. And it's amazing. If you look at verse 11, 
says, to live to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaketh with his friend. What confuses us with that is that God is saying he will speak. But then when we read scripture that the Lord says, you can't see my face. No man can see my face and live. And yet he just says there in that 11, hey, the Lord will speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. It's not so much that it's face to face, but he speaks to Moses as a what? Friend. Friends speak. Do close friends speak? I want you to come on down with me on this verse here. Start, pick up in verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you still have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. You would, Moses is requesting, teach me. Teach me. If Moses is going to be taught, there has to be a response from God. There has to be a way for them to communicate. And then it goes on. He says, the Lord replies, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me from your people? from all the other people on the face of the earth. Pause there for a moment. What is it that distinguishes you from all the other people on the earth? Feed me, sister. What distinguishes Fred and Elaine here. What distinguishes them? Distinguishes Roger and Bob. What distinguishes Carl and Joanne? What distinguishes them? All those folks I just named, they all what? Men. Is that a distinction in our society between people? special relationship between two people. What distinguishes us is our relationship that we have with our Savior. What distinguishes us 
questions of Islam, Buddha, anything else, we have a dialogue with our Savior. That's why he didn't do it. Now, Philip, once we put Roscoe in the grave, don't, don't go out to the grave and talk to him because he ain't going to hear you. Bob, once we put Roger down, you can go out there and pinch the tombstone and everything else. (laughs) It's gone. But what distinguishes us is a relationship that we have with our Savior and our communication that we have with our Savior. And that we believe, really, really, how many of you really believe God will order your steps? How many of you really believe what it says in Philippians? That cast all your cares upon God, for he cares for you. And that he will provide you with all you have need of, now catch this, because this is the part we don't know, and we oftentimes leave out. We'll quote very quickly, oh yes, God will supply all my needs, but we leave off this little part, according to his riches in Christ Jesus. According to your sincere love for him through Christ Jesus. According to your sacrifice, your service, that is rendered to him. Watch this in a marriage. Husband or wife. Boy, when a husband really takes care of his wife, and I used this one time in an illustration in a marriage, and I learned not to do that anymore. Because <laughs> I told the young man up here, if you really take care of her and meet all her needs, she'll suck your big toe. And that was the worst thing I could have said, maybe, but it came out that way. So I had to learn to drop that part in my marriage when I challenged the young men. But if a man takes care of a woman, because nowhere in Scripture will you find that a woman is commanded to love her husband. He wins her. He wins her. He wins her. And when he wins her love, there's nothing she won't do for him. And when a woman really wins the love of a husband, there's nothing he won't do to satisfy her. We win one another. in one sense, has won us. But have we won him? Do we lavish him with love in such a way that we can truly believe he'll never leave us nor forsake us, that we can truly believe that he'll provide for us whatever is needed, that is truly believe that he will order our steps, truly believe that when my tears are growing, running down, that 
somehow he'll wipe them away, that he'll give me peace in this. Do I really believe that? And that's the relationship that the Christian has that identifies us and distinguishes us from anybody else is the relationship that we have with the Lord. And he asked the Lord, what is it that will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you. Now, now follow that. I'll do what you've asked because I'm what? Now, the question I will ask you is this. Is God doing what you're asking of him? Because he said you can ask anything of him. Here's the condition. Is that your life my life is pleasing to him. If I'm not meeting that condition, I'm asking just as a religious person. But it's not being met, is it? But when I serve him and I wait upon him and I'm doing what he wants me to do and I'm pleasing him because I'm trusting him and obeying him. His promise unto me, I will do it. I will do it. I will do it. And and, and really look at that order. You know. And the Lord said to Moses in verse 17, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you. And I know you what? When somebody really gets to know you by name, then they know you. Leechy! Leechy! Now, most of you don't know anything about Leechy. But Roger was talking to me the other day with some friends, and he said, boy, he heard a guy yell out, Leechy, and he knew that was somebody from his old, old, old neighborhood that would know him by that name, Leechy, short for his middle name. But when he heard it, he knew it had to be somebody that really grew up with him and that was close to him. See, when you're close to people, you don't forget a name. You don't forget a name. And God knows your name. Now, he goes on. He said, Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Now, remember back up in 11. The Lord will speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then we come down here in verse 19. He said, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now catch this, verse 20. Just the opposite of verse 11. 
but he said, you cannot see my face. Now, he just told of here in verse 11, he talks to Moses how? Face to face as a friend. No, that's how two friends really talk, don't they? It's nothing about God's glory in this, but really seeing. And God said, I talk to Moses like a friend. And if you really know the Lord and you catch that voice, you'll hear it like a friend, not like an enemy, but like a friend who's talking to you. And he says there, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Hold that thought. No one can see me and what? Live. And then in 21 he said, Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cliff of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. But my face must not be seen. Moses said, Lord, I want to see your glory. He said, and God answered him in this way, you'll see it in my mercy. You'll see it in my compassion. You'll see me in this way. But you can't see my face. But I'm going to let you see my backside. See, what is God saying? Moses, what you want to see, I can't reveal to you. But I will let you see my backside. There's something of the Lord you might want to see. And God is saying, no, you can't see that. But this is what you can see. And in all of this, what is not stated per se, is having this dialogue with Moses and Moses is hearing it and Moses is responding to it and that's what's important to catch. God is saying what Moses can't do and yet what he would do. And that's how we learn our God. We learn as Christians what we can't do. But then we learn from him what we can do and what he will do. And all through this, Moses is hearing what God says. This is what I want to do. You cannot see my face, but you can see my backside. If you really want to know God, he will reveal himself to you. He's not hiding himself. It may not be the way you want it, but he'll reveal himself to you. He'll show himself. And he'll let you know it for yourself. And he says, Moses, 
I'm going to cover your eyes as I pass by. You can't see my face. You can see my glory and my mercy. You can see my glory and my compassion. You can see my glory in how I touch the lives of people and how I transform the people and so forth. You can see my glory in what I do. But you can't see my face. But I'll let you see my backside. See, that would be something What we need today is to see something of this living God that we worship. Are you with me? Are you touching it? Do you need it? Lord, would you answer the prayers of your people? I don't know what the thoughts are that are going through you right now. But, Lord, you do. And I pray, Lord, that somehow you would answer the prayers, the request, that which is needed right now. Work in our lives. We are your people. And yes, Lord, We want to be more than just religious people. We want a relationship with you. We want to be able to speak to you and know that you listen. And that, Lord, you will respond. And, Lord, we want to be a people who live in such a way that we please you. And would you teach us, even as Moses asked, oh God, And as you taught him, Lord, teach us. And Lord, would you distinguish us? Would you separate us from this world? Of how the world dresses, how the world uses language, how the world responds and acts. Would you do something different in us that distinguishes us as being a godly woman, a godly man, a godly teenager, a godly young person, would you do something special in us that distinguishes us, that allows people to know we are born from above, not just earth. We are your people. And we need to hear from you. See your glory. Lord, we're hungry for you. We're deeply dependent upon you. We've tried to change our lives, and we can't change it. You have to do it. And you have to direct us and tell us how to change. You have to teach us, Lord, how to believe in you. 
you've given us faith. But, Lord, we don't understand this faith. Would you educate us in this area of faith, of believing you, trusting you, obeying you, and carrying out your will? Would you bring us to a point that, Lord, even in our suffering, we learn, O oh God, even in our pain, O oh God, that your grace is more than sufficient. We learn to depend upon you. God, may your consignment of glory somehow sink down into this room. May in some special way, Lord, you speak to each individual. You touch each heart. You move upon us. Let us not leave this place in the same way in which we came in. Give us a thought today that lingers with us, that goes home, and, and even to bedtime, that, Lord, that we're chewing on it. We need you, Lord. We are in a desperate, desperate place. We need you. For communion, Lord, would you somehow speak to our hearts? You are not the God who come to condemn, but you are the God who come to set us free. Would you set someone free? Would you change someone's life right now? Would you somehow, Lord, do a miraculous thing that only you can do? And they know that, Lord, it's you. Help our unbelief, Lord. You said, Lord, if we call upon you, you will show us great and mighty things. Do that, Lord. Do that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Those who are going to serve, would you come? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This table has been prepared for us ages ago because Jesus knew that we would need this table to remind us of that of which he has already done. God has been so faithful to us. We stand as a people, as some people would say, unworthy, unworthy, unworthy.